Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the Ron Perti Show. All right, everybody, this week on the program, I have uh, a friend of mine who uh, I met at the Milwaukee Twisted Dreams Film Festival, uh, which was a lot of fun last year. Uh, I wish I had better company when I was there, but that's something that if you listen to the show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, he's uh, a, a director. I, I think I think he's a writer. I don't know, but mm-hmm. he's got his own. Oh, there he is. See, he's already <laughs> he's listening. He's making sure that I don't mess up his intro. I see how it is. Okay, uh, with me right now, ladies and gentlemen, Paul A. Brooks. Paul, thank you for being on. Man, thank you so much for having me. I uh, really appreciate being here. No, it's that's it's no problem at all. It's it's a long time coming. We've been trying to do this for a while now, but one thing happens or another, and it just kind of does its thing, and life gets in the way. We're doing it though, so here we are. Exactly, we're doing it in the the, the new year. You know, just just getting things going here. Now let's. Okay, you're you're also from the Midwest, but you transplanted yourself out there to La La Land. Uh, and that's such a Midwest thing to call it, too, I, I bet. <laughs> it is. Yeah, you know, I kind of feel like I exist between two worlds because I'm a Midwest dude. I'm always going to be a Midwest dude, but I'm out here in L.A. doing my thing. So I'm kind of stuck between central Illinois and, and Los Angeles. But, you know, I make it work. See, not only should I dislike you because you can wear shorts right now, but also because you're from central Illinois. But that's a whole other thing. Uh, okay. Yeah, you know, you, I'm sure you're a Bears fan, but this isn't a football podcast. No, so, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. Now, when you grew up in Central Illinois, was there a a lot of um, films that you were exposed to at an early age, or was that something that was like pushed on you by your parents growing up? No, not really. It kind of happened a little bit later for me. I was. Um... You know, like a lot of other people who who grow up in in our area, I was kind of in a stricter Christian environment when I was a kid, and so I didn't see too many R-rated movies or anything like that. So it really wasn't until I was in my uh, later teen years and early 20s that I really started to catch the movie bug. And what was the first movie that you saw? What really kind of like drew this out of you? Hmm. You know, the first thing that's, is, and this is when I was a little bit young, but I would uh, stay up a little bit late on Friday nights to catch some of the uh, old school Godzilla flicks that they would play on the local station. Are you talking old school like the the, the first one or kind of like the campy guy in a, that you, where you can tell it's a guy in a suit and Godzuki shows up? Yeah, the cheesy... 60s ones where there was just no rules and you know Godzilla could fly by his tail or whatever I mean just the the total campy ones oh where he's doing his little dance right yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's like with all the other kaiju yeah so now that being the first kind of thing that exposed you to everything what are your I gotta ask you what your thoughts are on the King of Monsters trailer it's maybe my favorite trailer i've ever seen the first one um i'm i'm beyond thrilled i really liked the first one that came out in 2014 and this 
next one. You know, you got to we'll see what happens. But I, I thought the trailer just looked tremendous. Well, and that's the thing is, I think that they're just letting the monsters fight this time. And it's not just a giant, you know, and, and I'm, I'm also a big fan of the, of the legendary one. That was Gareth Edwards, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cause, but see, I'm, I'm, I'm an even bigger fan of monsters. I thought that mm. that was that was fantastic, and that's the thing is, so many people complain about we well, don't get a lot of Godzilla. It's like, well, then you right. obviously haven't seen monsters, you know? and also maybe haven't seen some of the earlier Godzilla movies because for most of the Godzilla movies, you don't see a whole lot of them in the first forty-five minutes of the film. So, oh yeah, it's all about the build-up, and right. and then you, then you get the payoff, and that's what a lot of people don't seem to understand. It's like this thing called storytelling. Right, and you're paying uh, your fifteen dollars for your ticket, and your, uh, you know, seven dollars for your big soda, and your ten dollars for your bucket of popcorn. So you can sit there and watch a story, not just so a car can turn into a robot. What a concept! You know, it. I, I somehow think the Transformers may be more than meets the eye, but you never know. Yeah. They, they should use it as a catchphrase. They should. <laughs> Um, but no, it's like, I, I watched that trailer for King of Monsters and I'm just like, well, Adam Wingard has a lot to top with this. Yes, indeed. Yes. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to what happens after that with some King Kong stuff, as, as you just mentioned, Adam Wingard. So we'll see what happens. Well, that's the thing is, is I, I was at a panel, I was watching a panel at, uh, Days of the Dead in Chicago, uh, and they were talking about how, um, the, you know, the, the indie guy made good. Now he's doing this huge, big budget picture. And that seems to be the, the thing now where you they get these people who do these indie pictures that are, are that, that make good, like Colin Trevorrow, for example, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, let's just give this guy Jurassic World. Right. You know, and yeah, I, I, that well, seems I, to be the norm. Why do you think that is? You're out there in the in the thick of it. I have no idea, but I hope I'm next. well and that's the that's the thing is i i remember um i forgot who it was somebody said you don't have to move to la anymore you know it's just it's just wait for them to come to you make your stuff put it online and let them come to you yeah if you can find a way to uh put something out there that rises you know sort of above the noise that uh gets the right people's attention you know doesn't matter if you're in uh Dover, Delaware, or, you know, Boise, Idaho, you got a shot at it. Yeah, I think I was listening to um, a Film Riot podcast with, uh, and Dan Trachtenberg was on, and that, I, I, there's a free plug for you, Ryan, um, but I, I love how he went from just kind of doing short, short films and stuff, and then he directed 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is one of my... Mm. You know, my favorite movies of the last five six years yeah uh, and he did an uh, an uh an episode i think an episode or two of black mirror and then mm-hmm. and that right there is like oh well uh you've piqued my interest sir because um, i love black mirror that's just, that's my yeah it's one that i haven't gotten into too much except i, I watched the um star trek one which i thought was fantastic oh if you like that one you got to watch the rest i watched the um um bandersnatch one okay yeah uh, with the, the choose your own adventure thing and mm-hmm. that was uh that was pretty innovative for a film um but uh now black mirror is some trippy stuff you gotta <laughs> you gotta be in a really 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 good mood 
because it will depress the hell out of you. <laughs> right. Okay, I'll get on it. Yeah, just we're, go ahead. Right now, just like, yeah, I, I feel so, I feel bad for anybody who watches it when they're just like at the lowest point in their life and they put on the the episode where the where the, the, the wife's husband dies and they get him back as a robot with the implanted memories. It's like, oh, ah, oh, no, don't, don't do that. You need like a warning at the beginning of it or something. Yeah, exactly. Please stay away from any sharp objects or bottles <laughs> of pills. Yeah. Uh, while watching this show, uh, but growing up in uh, Central, are we talking Rockford or? So I, um, when I was a kid, I grew up in Streeter, Illinois, uh, which is famous for uh, the guy who discovered Pluto is from Streeter, um, and then I moved to Normal, Bloomington Normal, when I was. Uh, 14 or 15 to uh, go to high school. So I'm kind of between those, those two towns right there. Now, when you, when you were, when, when you moved to normal to go to high school, was there more of uh, access to like the cinema and maybe indie film and stuff like that? Or were you, was it still kind of you being more barraged with like the bigger budget stuff? Uh, I would say there's definitely more access for sure. And, and I like any other teenager in the nineties, you know, went to the movie theater all the time and, you know, saw the blockbusters and things like that. We have the normal theater in normal, which is a beautiful little uh, old school art deco movie theater. So if you're ever in normal and you want to see, uh, you know, some some flicks that maybe you can't see at a AMC or whatever, that would be the place to do it in normal. Yeah, we have uh, up in Milwaukee. Well, you've been to the Times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember when I was still doing my movie house show. On YouTube, I needed uh, the the outside of a theater, like and just a picture mm-hmm. of it. So I, I just typed in Times Cinema, and I was thinking, oh, it's going to have some big budget movie on the marquee. And if you look really carefully at the picture, it says Pieces. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I've noticed that before, actually. Yeah, and it's like, does that does it come with Joe Bob nearly breaking down commentary? <laughs> um, now, hey, that's not a knock on Joe Bob, because I thought his tribute to Zachary Lee at the end of Last Drive-In was touching as hell. Well, I know you're a huge Joe Bob fan. I am, so anything he does is kind of like, yes, sir, How, yeah. Yeah, whatever, sir. <laughs> um, but uh, now, um, what you, you, you saw the Godzilla films. What made you want to make movies, though? Because, I mean, everybody has that movie that gets them into it, but then they see that one film that kind of says makes them say, like, okay, I can do this. Right. It wasn't so much seeing a movie as it was actually – setting out to make, um, a feature, um, in 2004, me and a handful of buddies, um, decided that we wanted to make this movie called late afternoon of the living dead. And obviously it's a zombie movie. And, and we set out to make that. And it was really just something to do at the time. You know, it wasn't going to be a big deal, but it turned into a feature and we spent three years of our lives doing it. And we had the best time making that movie. Um, and and through the entire process of it, I, I said, you know, I really feel like this is what I want to do because I just had such a great time. Every every aspect of it from the, um, you know, I was an actor in it uh, and I was I served as the first assistant director. I was the editor. I helped with the soundtrack. I like getting my hands in all the different paints and I enjoyed it so much that I said, I really want to take a, a shot at this and 
see if I can, you know, make something out of it. And and now that film is on Amazon Prime, right? That's correct. If you're uh, if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free. Just search for Late Afternoon of the Living Dead, and you can go check it out. And if you don't have you know a Prime subscription, I think it's only like two ninety nine or something to rent. Now, when you see something like that, when you see your film on Prime, because there's so many outlets to put your film out. There's like the Vimeo Pro and and or Rental or whatever it is, and and YouTube. If you're well, if YouTube's being nice to you that day, um, uh, there's so many options online. It, it, but it feels like if you have something on Amazon Prime, it's almost like, oh, hey, we kind of made it here. Yeah, well, we sort of explored our options because we recut the film uh, at the end of last year and trimmed maybe 20 minutes out of it and then kind of up it where it's not quite HD, but it looks better than standard definition. Um, but because the film is old enough to where we did shoot it in standard def, um, we weren't, we were limited in our, in our distribution options in 2000, you know, 2018. Uh, so we just said, well, you know, let's put it up there on on Amazon prime and, People can watch it for free, and, and mainly we just wanted to get it out there to the masses because it was really the first time that we were able to do that. And what was the, what was the feeling like when you started, like, I'm sure there's a, a bunch of reviews on it because everyone loves to review stuff on Amazon. When those first reviews started coming through, what were, like, your thoughts? Did you get a lot of internet trolley stuff, or was it? Not really. I mean, in terms of when the movie first came out, you know, we're talking 2007, um, that was really before internet culture started to get really nasty. Um, and so back then it was all mostly positive stuff. I mean, we didn't get, um, glowing reviews from everybody, but for the most part, people said, well, you know, these, these guys set out, uh, Jason Hulls is the director of the film. I should mention these guys set out to make this movie and, you know, they did a pretty good job of it. You know, if it came out today, I imagine it would be a completely different ball game, uh, and I think that's pretty unfortunate. I try to keep a positive spin on everything, and I don't, I don't know why everything has to be so negative all the time. You know, what do you, where do you think that that turn happened? That things went from just kind of like, hey, let's support everybody, to like, hey, let's go to the bathroom and their bowl of cereal. Yeah, it's a. I think it's probably a complicated answer. I think uh, people are unhappy, you know, with their lives and need some sort of outlet. Um, and I try not to, honestly, I try not to think about it too much because I don't want to get caught up in in all of the Twitter negativity and all the stuff that's going on these days. I'm even trying to w- watch less of the news you know i don't have cnn on quite as much as i used to because you can just get sucked into it real easily yeah you really can and that's why and this is going to sound so bad um but i've been very vocal in the past about how like i won't watch star wars anymore and it's not just because i don't like the stories it's because the fans have made it impossible to like it anymore Mm, you mm -hmm. know i watched um a clip once you're from the midwest i'm sure you know red letter media you know, of course. Uh, yeah. So I was watching um, something that somebody put together where they show these sites like Collider uh, and places like that have their videos out talking about how, uh, you know, great Star Wars is. And then it cuts to something 
um, that Red Letter Media did, kind of completely uh, debunking everything that they just said. Um, but <laughs> I th- yeah, it was Collider where one of the guys was, I think it was the trailer for Last Jedi came out. And I was just like, um, okay, what's going on here? And the guy's like, you don't tell me that you, you, uh, that you hate this trailer. You can't hate it because it's Star Wars. I'm like, okay, first we have the, the jocks appropriating nerd culture. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then we have them taking over our Star Wars. Really? Okay, yeah, I'm I'm I mean, I'm out. Yeah, that's that. I just like I'm done. This is this is why I enjoy being a Star Trek fan. I don't have to deal with anything. <laughs> no, you, and that's the best. You know, I, it might be time, but then for me, like the last good Star Trek was TNG, because the the, the TNG movies were just kind of bad. Well, truth be told i mean i i've done my fair share of complaining complaining lately about uh the new series too so i guess i should uh you know admit that i'm i'm not all sunshine and lollipops when it comes to <laughs> to star trek either right but the 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 positives outweigh the negatives when it comes to star trek absolutely and, and you don't have a bunch of jocks uh appropriating the enterprise yeah, and when it comes to you know disagreements and and online arguments, uh, it everyone just seems to keep it a little bit more civil. You know, I'm on different Facebook groups and things like that, chatting about the new Picard show and things like that, and everybody's just nicer to each other. I don't know what it is. They're following Roddenberry's dream of the future. Yes, that's you're absolutely right. We've been trained from a young age to behave ourselves. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much what it is, and and also to make out with green chicks. Of course, gotta you know, do it. Exactly. Well, I, I I have no qualms if a well, I mean, unless she's got some weird disease, and that would be a little. And it's like, ah, eh, honey, you gotta get to the doctor. Go see, go see bones. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll talk about another bone, but that's besides the point. Um. Yeah, that, or it's, maybe she's She-Hulk. I don't know, but yeah, that's a whole other <laughs> whole another podcast. Um, now you, uh, when I, when I first, uh, met you, you were at the Twisted Dreams Film Festival. You were, um, you were there, pr- uh, on, on the circuit as it were, mm-hmm. uh, you were promoting, uh, Below Decks. Yes. Uh, and that, and that didn't play during the Wisconsin one. That played the day after, didn't it? Um, it was on yeah, Saturday. I think so. Yeah. Saturday. Yep. Yeah. So I, um. I didn't get a chance to see it, but I think you you sent me the link and I watched it. Um, mm-hmm. Now that is concluded its uh, run in festivals. Yeah, we had a nice festival run that started at the end of 2017, and we went all the way up until there's this great festival out here uh, in Santa Monica called Cinema at the Edge that it played at, and so we got into I don't know seven or eight festivals over the course of you know, a, a year and a half or so. And uh, I'm pretty happy with how the film turned out. I'm pretty happy that other people seem to like it. And uh, we won one award at a festival in Utah, won Best Horror Film there. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the festival run. And now that we're done, I'm going to, you know, kind of do a similar thing that like we did with Late Afternoon where we put it up on Amazon Prime, something like that, so uh, people can check it out. And it's a short. It's only 12 minutes, so it's not uh, too much of a commitment. Now, see, when you say a short, only 12 minutes, I always look at the shorts that I've done, and I'm like, wow, 12 minutes, that's a long, that's a long time. 
You know, were yeah. you, you were the during the Q and A. You you were the the you were the the wise guy, weren't you? That said, is there becoming we, undead one? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I was. Gen- it wasn't a. I mean, I really was curious to 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 know if there was one or not, or or I guess more of a. Where could I see becoming undead one? Yeah, they have nothing to do with each other, which I'm sure you found out. Um, yes, but um, and and that there is a script for three. If anybody's interested, um, it's it's kind of a bigger scale. We need a drone, uh, kind of taking away from the low key backyard woman in her bare feet in the snow type thing. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I felt so bad for her, but she was such a trooper. Um, now, do you ever do any of the horror cons or? In terms of uh, like getting a table and, and like peddling wares and such. No, I haven't yet. I mean, I feel like I would really love to do something like that once I have a feature under my belt. Uh-huh. Um, I would love to do something like that. And I've been trying and trying and trying. And uh, I'm sure I don't have to tell you that making a feature is not easy. So still working on trying to make that happen somewhere down the line. Um but if I can, well, no, I can. It's just it's just a matter of getting it done and getting it out there. And then I would love to do something like that because anytime I go to the horror cons, I, I see people set up like that, and I say, man, I would really love to do something like this. And I tend to I, when I go to those things, I tend to support the indie artist more than I do the main ones. That I go through. like when Coolio was rapping at the last days of the dead. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to. No, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Hip Hop, no, and then and then that this that this was last one, uh, and I love the event. Don't get me wrong; I'm not trying to poo-poo on it, but mm-hmm. um, they kind of set it up a little poorly because they the the Cenobites and Clive Barker all needed their own room, and mm. it took away from a bunch of other stuff that they could have done. So they put like a bunch of the big stars, like Jello Biafra and Coolio, were next to each other. And then they put, uh, and then they had a bunch of other people, uh, and I was just kind of like, you can't, you couldn't get through because it went, it went Jello Biafra and and Coolio were next to each other, uh, and then across from them was a- Ashley Lawrence from um, Hellraiser, and mm-hmm. and then there was a couple other people, and it's just like, what you you can't get through anywhere, and that was like the main drag. Coolio, by the way, is a pretty nice guy. I've met him once, so at least there's that. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't go to Days of the Dead to hear your rap, bud. You <laughs> yeah, know? I figured not. No, he was not sitting sure there. What he's doing there. Yeah, well, he was in uh, what was it, Dracula? He was in Dracula 2000. That was somebody else. Dracula 3000. Oh yeah, the one post Gerard Butler. That's bizarre that you mentioned that because when I was back home last week in Normal for Christmas, I picked up that movie at a family video for like a dollar fifty. So that's really strange that you say that. Oh, I will I will buy up cheap horror movies in like the five dollar bins. Um, Absolutely. I, I I don't care how good it is or how bad it is. Like I um I don't want to say that I have issues with Adam Green. Um but I, I'm not I used to be a big fan, but now I'm kinda not um, mm-hmm. but I still, I saw, I was at Kmart yesterday and I saw Hatchet 3 for five bucks. So I grabbed it cause I'm, I'm, I'm friends with BJ McDonald and he's the one who directed it. So I'm like, okay, five bucks and I get to support my buddy. Sure. There you go. You know, so, and that's a, a big thing when it comes to independent film is having to support, uh, each other. I think, right. You can't just, Absolutely. you can't just go out there and be like, okay, I'm just going to do this and, and hope it hits. You gotta, you know, 
that's the only reason the only way my last film got made um was because i had i called in so many favors um and i'm hoping that you know and every time you make something you're hoping this is the one you know right but this one kind of has a lot of um uh, um like professional stuff going on for once it's not shot, mm. shot on a hand, little handy cam it's shot on a big old canon uh c100 and uh we had you know a big light set up and we had a we had a, a pa i was like oh my god so i just tell this guy what to do and he goes and he does it really <laughs> oh okay um, but, it, but it's, it's weird when you do stuff, so much stuff on your own. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but when you do have a PA on set, you feel bad asking them because you've been, you're so used to doing everything that you don't feel like you need to depend on anyone else. Yeah. It's a strange feeling. I mean, I, I, I also come from, you know, that guerrilla school of filmmaking where you're just kind of doing it all on your own or, or, you know, like two or three guys or four or five people, whatever, and so it's it's a little bit difficult still for me to get my head wrapped around um, something costing you know sixty million dollars. I just don't know what I would do with the money. I, I I have no clue. I always say, look at what I've made with nothing. So if you give me a budget, imagine what I can do. Sure. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would take sixty million dollars. No, no problem. It would just be a completely different ballgame. Oh yeah, and it's it's uh, it's kind of like going back to Adam Wingard. You know, mm-hmm. doing something like A Horrible Way to Die, which is an amazing film. But then now he's doing Godzilla vs. King Kong. So it's kind of, it's you kind of have to be like, wait, this is this is crazy. This is nuts. Yeah, I you imagine know? he has a few sleepless nights being like, what am I, what am I doing? <laughs> right, exactly. And I'm sure Legendary is breathing down his neck. Yeah. You know, but uh, that's neither that's neither here nor there. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break, everybody. When we come back, more with Paul Brooks. Uh, we'll talk about B-Movie Mania and what he's got coming up. So stick around. You're listening to The Ron Pretty Show. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier-hound-chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm, I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring, a white, gray, brown, black brindle, simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance, so common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. For you, the listeners of the Ron Pertee Show, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recommend Pedal Your Own Canoe by Nick Offerman, read by Nick Offerman. It's just amazing to hear him uh, read the book and add little things here and there. It's just fantastic. And there's just Amy Poehler's got one, Tina Fey. If you're a fan of comedy, a fan of autobiographies, definitely 
Definitely some stuff to check out. Uh, so head over to download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash Ron Show. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash Ron Show for your free audiobook. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. And you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food. We've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask? Save the food. Because this ad is trying to change the world's behavior through brainwashing. Because 40% of all food in the U.S. never gets eaten. Save the food. And that costs a family of four $1,500 a year. Save the food. Cha-ching. It's worsening climate change through the release of methane gas. Save the food. Cha-ching. And it's wasting precious natural resources like our fresh water. Save the food. Cha-ching. So when you hear this sound, don't be neutral. Rethink your behavior. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. And we're back, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Ron Pertice Show. We'll be back with Paul Brooks in just a second. Don't forget to head over to ron.world for everything you need. There's uh, past shows. There's all the links to social media. There is the Patreon, which you could so generously donate to. And don't forget there's a PayPal link. If you're just if you're more of a, just like a one-off thing and you don't feel like doing a monthly rolling donation. Uh, I also want to thank everybody over at KAKU and at um, Cerebral Radio for picking the program up. That's a it's a, a thing that warms the cockles of my heart, and I, I can't uh, thank them, them enough for featuring the show, and I can't thank you guys enough for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes as well uh, if you do miss it when it's airing on the radio. Uh, and over at the Patreon, we're going to be putting up some cool stuff like you know uncensored shows and stuff like that that don't exactly go up during uh, radio time. But uh, let's get back to the real reason you're all listening. Because nobody cares about Ron Pretty, they're here for Paul Brooks. I don't uh, know about that. Yeah, you'd be surprised, <laughs> sir. You'd be surprised. Uh, but we're back with Paul Brooks, and we were talking about uh, um, independent filmmakers getting this these big boosts and stuff. But let's talk about podcasts for a second, because I'm noticing that a lot of independent filmmakers are having more success doing podcasts. Is it because we're so we're so inclined to tell stories that even when we're just talking into a microphone, we have to do that? That's probably part of it. Um, I think that's probably part of it for us. And also the fact that it's just so dang easy to do and it's so much fun to do. Um, you know, it's when, when you're trying to make a movie, especially if it's a feature, it's not very easy. And a lot of times it's not very fun. So, um, it's almost a way to sort of do something creative uh, and blow off a little bit of steam and curse and do the things that maybe you can't do elsewhere. Yeah, and in, and you can talk about anything you want. Uh, it's still kind of like the Wild West. It's not as right. regulated as a YouTube would be. Yeah. You know, and uh, you have your own show, B-Movie Mania. Uh, yes, well, you... I, should, uh, oh, I yes. should qualify that just a little bit. Um, I quit the show full-time at the end of the last season and i'm sort of what the plan is now is that i'm going to be making 
sporadic appearances on the show. But my three other cohorts, Jason Halls, who I mentioned earlier, was the director of Late Afternoon of the Living Dead. Mike Hayes, my old buddy Mike Hayes, and Crazy Chris Hudson are the three guys who are the full-time podcast guys right now. Okay, so now you have an announcement for that, though? I do indeed. This I, is, I love uh, that. This is breaking news, everybody. It is, yes. So so world exclusive here, big news. So even though I'm not uh, part of the, of the podcast full-time, they still have a lot of great stuff going on. They do episodes every every week, um, and you can just go to bmoviemania.com to check out the podcast. You can subscribe to it on iTunes and all that good stuff. But we have something very excited that we are getting ready to do at the start of season three. We do, we do seasons on the podcast, kind of like a TV show. Um, we are also concurrently going to be running a YouTube sort of TV version of B-Movie Mania that is going to feature myself and Mike Hayes, one of the co-hosts of the show, doing a TV version of B-Movie Mania. So we have 12 episodes that we've shot that are going to be airing every other week. And so if you go to our YouTube channel and subscribe on there, Pretty soon, a couple months from now, you can see the new show. Well, that's awesome. I, I like yeah. it. I like it when people pull a, a Joe Rogan, as it were. Um, but I'm sure that you guys are way more entertaining than Joe Rogan. Um, I hope so. That's right. Sh- <laughs> shots fired, sir. Shots fired. <laughs> no, uh, now you you mentioned seasons, and I notice a lot of people do that with their podcasts. How does a, a season work? Like what for for B Movie Mania in particular? How does a season work for podcasting with that show? So I really love the way that that, that we do this because um, we do sixteen episode seasons, um, and and they come out every other week. And then in between that, we do little teaser episodes um, to get you ready for the next full episode. And then at the end of the season, we have what we call our off season, where we still put out content, but we just get a little more loosey goosey with it. And it can kind of be, you know, book book reviews or um, going to conventions or anything like that. Interviews. I, I still do interviews for the podcast. And so we we keep it a little bit more nebulous and we and we actually have a lot of fun with the off season content because it gets weirder and it gets a little stupider and, and we have a lot of fun with it. So it's just a way of keeping things interesting and keeping ourselves sane, you know, by not having to do the same thing every single week. Right, and it and, and it kind of uh, gives people like a, it's almost like appointment television. Um, yeah, you know, and it kind of in a way where you you even though people can listen to it whenever they want, you know. Yeah, we have we have a lot of fun with it. And the one thing that I want to say that I think is really important about this, we've been talking about how negative criticism ha- has become. Um, we take our shots at people every now and then, no doubt on on the podcast, but. It's kind of our mission and our goal to maintain that positivity and and kind of say, look, this this person or these people went out and they made a movie. And regardless of whether or not it turned out exactly the way they wanted it to, they made a movie and you got to give them props for that. So we try to keep the 
energy and, and the vibe pretty positive on the show. Well, and that's the thing is I'm way more forgiving of an indie horror film mm-hmm. than I am a big budget horror film. Yeah. You know, because you have all, if you're a big budget horror film and you put out uh, an inferior product, I'm looking at you possession of Hannah Grace. Um, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Uh, that movie. Oh, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but it was, if you if you have big uh, money to put behind something and and like force uh, to put behind it, um, and you put out that kind of a film, I can't respect that. I can't I can't take back. I can't sit back and say, okay, well you know what? At least they tried. But where mm-hmm. when it comes to a, a film like um, uh, Late Afternoon of the Living Dead, I would look sure. at that and say, you know, oh that's they, you know what they they were doing their thing and and it's it's you know uh, people can only get better they can't get worse. You know? And I think that a lot of it is is the fact that a lot of times you can see that people are putting their heart and soul into it, as opposed to something that's just being churned through the machine. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's the thing is, I'm way more uh, into. Um, Watching something where you can, and that's just with heart and soul. You can see the heart and soul in an indie film. You can't see it in a big budget picture. There, I mean, I love Correct. James. I, I love James Wan. Don't get me wrong. I think the Conjuring movies are great, um, but there's no heart and soul in Aquaman, mm. or in or in the the Fast and Fast and the Furious Five or whatever whichever one he did. You know, that's not a film where you're going to be putting your heart and soul into it. Yeah. You're 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 answering to the suits, and you're answering to a lot of people who have a, a lot more money. And I, you know, certainly, I can't I can't judge too much because I've never been on the other side of the fence in, in in that sense. So I imagine that it's extremely stressful and extremely difficult. But it's just a completely different process. Oh, for sure. And uh, uh, excuse me, um, uh, process talk. Oh boy, yay! Uh, inside <laughs> baseball, kids. Um, but, and then I'm, I'm looking forward, but see, that's the thing is I'm looking forward to James Wan, uh, doing executive producing the Swamp Thing series for the DC app. He's a, he's a busy man. He is. And they got the perfect guy to play Swamp Thing too. Cause it's going to be uh practical, a lot of practical effects. Who's playing them? Uh, Derek Mears. Uh, I'm not sure. You, you don't know who that is? I don't think so. Not off the top of my head. He played Jason in the reboot. Oh, okay. And he was on Holliston for a little while. He's a real cool guy, real tall guy. He looks uh-huh. angry, but he's a big teddy bear. Um, nice. Yeah, so. But, Should work uh, well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because uh, I don't know if you watched the Titans show on the DC app. No, no. Oh. I'm not much of a comic book guy. This is this is, this is is the kind of like more down-to-earth, realistic type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, in the trailer, you see Robin saying, F Batman. Like oh yeah so oh my gosh yeah so it's uh, but and a lot of people when they saw it they were like what that no what <laughs> what you to what and and, it, and when you hear see it in context and not cut into a trailer it makes way more sense uh, um, oh okay yeah but uh, and and that's another thing do you uh, speaking of apps and streaming services do you think stuff like Netflix and Hulu and and like a DC app um, are, are are they the new home for independent filmmakers. I think definitely in in a way, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's pretty, it's almost overwhelming, you know, that there's so much content out there and, and so many avenues to go down to get your stuff out there. But as a filmmaker, 
I kind of appreciate it because it used to be, well, this, this movie is either getting in the theaters or it's going to be on the bottom shelf of Blockbuster or it's going to be nowhere. And now there's just so many different tiers and so many different levels where you can, you know, try to put your stuff out there. I think it's uh, nothing but a good thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. And because I mean, and there's so much coming out, like you said, that you almost don't even know when things come out that you want to see. You know, like I'm, I'm a big fan of Narcos and I didn't even realize that they dropped another season. And like, yeah, oh, you know, the only the only thing I'll say about that is I, I I hope that at some point we can kind of take a step back from from the binging system that we've gotten into and pull it back to to more of an episodic sort of week by week system, because I think it's really made things become a lot more throwaway. Right. Um, and it's it's kind of unfortunate. Well, and that's the thing about what I like about the DC app. And, and Guy, Warner Brothers, I'm totally okay if you want to sponsor the show. Um, <laughs> uh, they When they put episodes out, it's only once a week. Mm-hmm. And, but once it's up, you can watch it as much as you want. But it's you know once a week, and you're kind of like – it's that appointment television again. Um, See, I think that's really smart because also you got to look at the social media aspect of everything. When something – is coming out at a, at a particular time, your fans of the show can then get on social media and interact with each other and, and it creates more of a buzz. When it's just all out there at once and it's just sort of nebulously, you can watch it whenever you want, you kind of, you lose a little bit of that. Well, not only that, but then you get people who will binge through the whole thing and right. then they'll yeah. spoil it. They'll get on yeah. you know, Twitter or Facebook and they'll just be like, I can't believe this happened, you know? Um, I have some friends who I kind of drive crazy because I still I have enough self-control where I will watch, you know, the new season of, of Stranger Things. I'll, I'll take two months to watch it. And they and they they go nuts because if we're in a group chat or whatever, they can't talk about it because I haven't seen everything. You know, they, they binged the whole thing in eight hours and I'm, I'm over here taking my sweet time. Right. Yeah. See, and that's that's. I'm glad you brought up Stranger Things because I'm kind of at a point now where I'm getting tired of the nostalgia. It's like remember, yeah. remember the '80s, you know. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I do remember the '80s, and it wasn't that great. Um, but th- there's little things like okay, like the Dust Brothers. Um, is that who they are? The Dust Brothers? I forget. Um, whatever they're called. Um, the oh, the Stranger Things. Yeah. Guys? Is it the Dust? Yeah. yeah th- it's like. Then they do they they say they're horror fans or whatever, and then they put little things up there to, to almost annoy the, the the internet fans. Like mm. um, the the show the first season takes place in like nineteen eighty three eighty four something like that, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh hey, there's an Evil Dead poster on the wall. No, no kid had an Evil Dead poster on the wall in nineteen eighty four. Right? Yeah, they play it up a little too much sometimes. Yeah, it's like oh that's for the that's for the smart fans. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's just going to make them mad. Do you realize what country you're living in, sirs? Uh, yeah. You know, um, and, and it's just, I wish people, you know, and I mean, if you're going to make something, I'm trying to remember something that uh, that Joe Bob said. Um, go back and listen. Folks, you know what? I'm not going to try and remember. Just go back and listen to last week's episode, <laughs> the, the best of episode. I put up uh, my interview with him, and he talked about how, you know, if you want to make something that, uh, uh, it has an you know is based in the eighties. That's one thing, but making everything is an homage to the eighties on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like why don't you just make something new? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a fine line because I actually enjoyed Stranger Things for what it was. I wasn't blown away or anything like that, but I've enjoyed it for what it was. 
but I agree that sometimes the nostalgia factor can get played up just a little too much. Now, did you finish season two? Yeah. Okay, so there's the sequence when she, quote-unquote, goes bad, you know, the couple episodes, and it's like, oh, Dark Phoenix. Oh. <laughs> it's like, it's... Yeah. I mean, they're definitely pulling from a lot of, you know, the, the, how much originality is in that show is, is definitely very debatable. Oh, I I just think that they just have a book that says, here are the best, the, the most important parts of the, <laughs> the 80s, year by year. <laughs> And like, right. okay, so so how can we fit in the creation of Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah. You know, and if I rem- if I remember correctly, I I think Wisconsin needs a a little bit of a, a notice in that show if they're going to be talking D and D because didn't the creator of D and D, um, from Milwaukee? I, I believe so. Yeah, or, or at least somewhere, uh, Lake Geneva. I mean, is is the spot where Gary Gygax Gary Gygax used to go game with his buddies, right? And that's where um. Gen Con, the big gaming convention, was first held for a couple of years or whatever. So yeah. Milwaukee definitely has a, a, a gaming heritage for sure. Yeah, but no, they don't mention Milwaukee. That's fine, Gus. I'm watching you guys now. I'm watching you guys. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes open. Uh, so when it comes to making films, a lot of people draw inspiration from different things. You know, sometimes I, I like my last film, I drew it from some personal stuff I went through. Uh, and you have some projects coming up. What do you draw from? Mainly uh, George A. Romero. <laughs> hey, that's my that's my gig now, sir. <laughs> no, I mean uh, obviously he's 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 an influence, no doubt about it. Uh, just in terms of his style and his sort of you know blue collar work ethic and all that good stuff that we that we know about. But honestly, you know, to 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 be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I'm one of those people where an idea pops into my head and I just feel compelled to act on it, to get it outside of my head and, and put it into the world. And so the handful of uh, movies that I've made so far over the years don't really have any sort of um, unifying theme or anything like that. It's just something that popped in my head. I said, well, I might give that a shot. I sit down and write it because nobody else will write it for me and amen to that yeah and put it out there and see what happens you know yeah it's uh it can kind of be a a pain i'm actually and as much as i enjoyed the stress of directing and the holes in my stomach it creates um i'm i seriously have been thinking about taking a step back and just writing Mm -hmm. you know that's because that seems to be where I, I'm, you know, you, you look at, at at things you've done and it's like, okay, that's not bad. That's not bad. People like that. But a lot of it came down to the writing. Oh, you yeah. Know, yeah. And, I mean, I, I'm not a writer. Um, I, I don't get as much enjoyment out of the writing process as I, as I do some of the other steps along the way. But it really is that sort of thing where it's like, well, I want to make this movie. And if it's going to happen, uh, I'm probably going to have to sit down and do this myself. So it's just, uh, kind of the, the the nature of the beast. So it's more out of necessity than it is uh, love of, of the craft. Yeah, I've gotten more into it over the years. I've, I've learned to enjoy the process a little bit more, but it's really just to get to that next step of directing it and then, you know, doing the artwork for it and putting the trailer together, all, all the all the good, juicy stuff. Right, right. And then plus, if, the only thing I was thinking when it comes to just writing, um, it's like, oh, well, 
after you've written the script, you kind of just have to step back and watch what happens and see how long it takes to, to get everything done. And the process can be take forever. Yeah, it really can. And that's why I've really um, sort of become more okay with the idea of doing more short films. Because just trying to make a feature... It's certainly easier than it used to be, you know, in the in the whatever 60s, 70s, 80s, all that. But it's still so difficult to raise the money. And so, you know, I can I can I can see myself cranking out a 10 minute short every year, year and a half without too much trouble. So so that's sort of where I'm at right now in terms of my my mindset with uh, movie making. Yeah, and and I I wonder, do you think shorts are a viable medium at this point? Like, do you think somebody could make a living making short films? I don't know about that because it's it's hard enough making a living making features, you know. But we've been talking about these filmmakers who've been doing uh, some films that get them up to the next level. And that's really why I started doing short films is to sort of use them as a calling card to say, this is what I did. Give me a little bit of cash, you know, and, and we'll see where it takes us. Um, and so I suppose if you can look at it from that perspective, it could lead to, uh, being able to make a living off of things. Well, and plus, I think if if and I I this is some some weird theory that I have, but I also think that that television producers need to look more at short films because people who um, make short films seem to be able to tell a story in a shorter, concise time, and right. they are they would be perfect for the thirty or the sixty minute, uh, you know, television thing. I mean, look at look at how okay. If you, even though people may not have liked The Last Jedi, I loved Ryan Johnson's work on Breaking Bad. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, and that was fantastic. And you think about it, you're like, okay, well, he he kind of had somebody standing over him. You know, right? Say, you know what I mean? And I think that a lot of the times, like to give it a um, uh, let's, let's let's get real nerdy for a second here. Um, uh, are you real familiar with comic books, or has it never been your thing? I'm telling you, it's never really been my thing. Uh, I was in the hospital once and I got a couple comic books because I didn't have a choice. And I think that was about it. Because <laughs> there's a there's a writer out there who um, I'll just Grant Morrison. Um, he created the show Happy or he created the comic that was based on uh, that they used to, to create the show Happy on Sci-Fi with Christopher Maloney. I haven't heard of it. Okay, it's yeah, it's it's uh, it's messed up. See what I mean? There's just way too much stuff out there. It really is, and it, but that's the thing is like there's there's not enough good stuff because right. the good stuff is covered up by the, the 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 not so good stuff. But he's kind of one of those writers for comics where it's like if he's left unchecked by the editors, he's gonna make some weird stuff and it's gonna ruin the book. But no. if he does his own independent stuff, or if he has an editor who's gonna, you know, hover over him and be like, "Yeah, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this," then he, you know, it's like it's like some people just need to be controlled a little yeah, bit, rein them in a little of, bit, of, yeah. Right, finding what works best for you. Exactly. Like I've never been in the position where I had to worry about uh, a producer breathing down my neck. You know, yeah, uh, it's when, not fun. No, I. Well, I mean, when when your producer is Chris House from the Twisted Dreams Film Festival, you, you don't really have to worry about somebody being like, you know, whipping your back like <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. 
Um, he's a he's a very nice guy. He's a very nice guy, and he he is completely respectful of the artistic uh, artistic artistic. Wow, who am I, Matt Hardy? The artistic <laughs> the artistic vision, uh, and that's a that's a good thing. Um, Wonderful. Yes, <laughs> glad you got that. Um, most people are like what? What are you talking about? Uh, so we got a few minutes left here. What kind? What projects you got coming up? I have a couple of things that I'm working on right now. You know, it's it's the first couple of days here in 2019, so I'm 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 jazzed up. I'm hitting the ground running. Um, I'm trying something a little different, and I'm doing um, a television pilot. Oh. Um, and I can't say too much about it just yet because I want to, you know, make sure that I protect the concept and all that stuff. Right. But I'm going to be shooting it hopefully in the next couple months here and. Uh, you know, kind of pitching it around a little bit here in here in Hollywood, and uh, we'll see what happens. So I got that, and then uh, we've been talking about short films. Me and my buddy Jason Hulls, who I've mentioned a couple times now, who's on B Movie Mania, um, we wrote a short film together, and we'll be shooting that uh, here in Los Angeles in the next couple months as well. So got a couple things in the pipeline. Well, that's awesome. And now, where can folks follow you on the social media? I think the best thing, if you want to follow my my movie projects, I have a Facebook page, and the name of my little uh, production company is called Into the Night Motion Pictures. And so, if you just search for that on Facebook, you can uh, give us a follow. If you want to follow me on Instagram or uh, Twitter or anything like that, my username is Cup Cup Drinks. C U P C U P D R I N K S. There's a weird backstory to it that we're not going to get into. That's probably a good thing because <laughs> yeah. when you started saying CUP, all I could think about was uh, when you were younger and kids would say, spill I cup. Right, right. You know, that, was, that was a great time. Yeah, young. Being young was horrible. What am I kidding? Um, <laughs> it's not that much better as an adult, though, is it? Um, but I want to thank you so much, Paul, for being on the program. You're welcome back anytime you've got something that you got going on. You want to talk about anything, uh, just feel free to hit me up and we'll, uh, we'll have you back on. It's been a real blast. Everybody, you've been listening to the Ron Perti show next week. We're going to have stuff and more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. And, um, let's hope more celebrities don't die. Agreed. Yeah, that would be so. Uh, real quick before we do go, uh, rest in peace, Mean Gene, yes. and rest in peace, Super Dave Osborne. Um, yes. If you have, if you haven't, go watch him on Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee. He just tears Seinfeld a new one. It's so uncomfortable, but it's so funny. Um, so thanks everybody for listening. Don't forget to head to Ronda world and check out all the social media stuff, the Patreon, the PayPal, all sorts of cool stuff. Past episodes, subscribe on iTunes, give us a rate, all that kind of stuff. And I really, I want to say something before we go. Um, late last year, things were going bad, real bad. And uh, a lot of people stuck by me. And since this is the first show, of 2019, I want to uh, uh, just kind of approach those people a little bit and, and thank them. Uh, Shaggy Jenkins, my producer. I guess he's my producer. You're my producer, right? You'll hear this and you'll you'll correct me one way or another uh, with a staunch punch in the face. Thank you for, for keep continuing to push me despite everything bad that's happening. Um, and you can hear me. Every week on his show, too. Um, 
and everybody who listens to the show, who supports the show, uh, a lot of I had a lot of friends that really had my back. Uh, a couple in particular, they're not big on being on the radio, so I'm not going to push um, that. But they know who they are. Um, but Shaggy and I are, are are vain, vain individuals, so we need that kind of. Oh, my name! I heard my name. What? My ears are burning. What's going on? What's going on? Uh, we have a lot of stuff coming up this year, and this is the year. Um, I go back and listen to this episode. And uh, you'll realize that this was the begin beginning of something big. Um, beginning of something amazing. It may not change the entire world, but it might change yours. You know, and that's the important part is that we reach out to, to one person who's having fun with our show, who's enjoying our show. Um, we're trying to set up some live recordings and streams and stuff. Uh, and the cool part is over the Patreon, we're going to be doing live streams for certain people who are at a certain level. Um, we're going to be doing uh, uncensored shows for people at another level. So but uh, so head over there, patreon.com forward slash Ron Pertee. Um, thank you once again to Paul Brooks for being on. Uh, and don't forget to feed the fish. 